What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Thursday, July 16th. The preview series actually coming down the home stretch here. Coming down the home stretch, we got Pittsburgh on the show today and Seattle. Two very interesting teams for sure. Lots of fantasy potential here with these squads. Before I dive into the Steelers, though, just want to remind you to head on over to ftnfantasy.com, ftndaily.com, ftnbets.com. That's the FTN network right there. And that's where you're going to find all the content from yours truly and a whole bunch of other smart people. These guys helping me make some money right now, I tell you what, especially on the daily and bets side of things. But either way, fantasy is almost here for fantasy football, fantasy baseball starting up next week, fantasy basketball, uh, what, a week and a half away, all kinds of stuff. So ftnfantasy.com, ftndaily.com, ftnbets.com. So let's talk about these Steelers, and we got to talk at the top about one Ben Roethlisberger. The last time we really saw him, because I'm going to discount last season because we didn't really get much of Ben last year. Well, he had one of the quietest 5,000-yard seasons, I think, in history. Not like there's been a ton of 5,000-yard seasons, but one of the quietest in history. It kind of flew under the radar because of how impressive Patrick Mahomes was in 2018. But Ben threw for 5,129 yards. He threw for 34 scores. Now, he had 16 picks. You know, he wasn't actually that great. In 2018, if that makes sense. I mean, as Jameis Winston showed us, you can have a 5,000-yard passing season and not be very good. (laughs) That can happen. So I think we need to put that into context with Ben Roethlisberger because people have seen my rankings and they're like, well, hey, he had the 5,000-yard season. Why do you have him ranked at 18? And that is a big reason why right there is the play wasn't that great. And we also have to keep in mind, the last time we saw him in a full season, he did have Antonio Brown. And whatever, you know, that, not not President Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown in 2018 was pretty freaking good, right? And I'm not going to go down the Antonio Brown rabbit hole, all right? So that's the last time I'm going to talk about him. But having him, uh, you know, having a, a sort of a breakout Juju Smith-Schuster, you didn't have Lev Bell that year, but you had, in a lot of ways, a breakout James Conner. There were a lot of things going in the right direction. And and I, I should be clear that you know you can be a good fantasy quarterback and be a subpar NFL quarterback. Jameis showed us that last year. However, when I'm evaluating these guys, I am certainly taking that into account of what I expect from them on the field. This year with Ben Roethlisberger, you don't have those weapons. You have Juju, but we don't know what Juju is going to be this year. Is he going to be able to bounce back? You have one of my favorite young players in Deontay Johnson, but can he take a step forward in year two? You have James Washington, who a lot of folks out there like. I think he's more of a one-trick pony, which is a good... It's not a bad thing. That's not a knock on James Washington. I just don't know... You know, does that benefit Ben Roethlisberger that much? I mean, he has some tight end weapons in Eric Ebron and Vance McDonald, and then you have this backfield where they they actually added to the backfield as well in the draft. So I'll get to that in a minute. But I do expect some overall regression in production from Roethlisberger. I'm not overly bullish on him. But that being said, where Roethlisberger is ranked, where he's going in drafts, actually presents a little bit of value if you're looking for one of those 
as I call them, safer guys. So if you want to go with Danny Dimes, which, by the way, uh, we just talked about him uh, two days ago on this podcast, so you can always go back and listen to the team previews. It's why I set these up the way I do. So you could actually you could knock out a couple of them, a little binge listen, a couple of them in a row, and get all the info you need for these teams. But talked about Danny Dimes is one of my favorite upside late-round guys. That's not a bad pairing. It's not maybe the optimal pairing, but... I would if I walked out of a draft going safe and upside, and I had Daniel Jones and Ben Roethlisberger. I I don't think I'd feel that bad about it, especially if I drafted them both after round ten. I don't think I'd feel bad about that at all. That being said, I, do we expect a, a return to you know where Ben r- was? He was the number three fantasy quarterback in 2018. No, I don't expect that. It wouldn't shock me if it happened, but I don't expect that to happen. So let's talk about these wideouts since I just alluded to them. Juju is really tricky because there's a lot of talent with Juju, but you know there are some guys in the league who are perhaps better served as number two receivers, right? Was he better suited? Was he properly cast as the number two in an offense that obviously featured A.B.? Perhaps. You know, it's one of those things like with coaches. Sometimes coaches are better OCs than they are head coaches or better DCs, better coordinators than they are head coaches. We've seen that over and over again. Great great OC gets a head coach job, not a great head coach, right? Sort of different skill sets. And maybe there's a little bit of that to the wide receiver position as well. I don't think we can firmly answer that question right now. And I do think heading into the the season, it is clear that Juju's going to be the top target, at, at least out of the gate. So right now, having projected 121 targets, that would put him at 78 catches, just, just over 78 catches uh, for the year. That's a solid number right there. Uh, we did see him go well over 100 catches in that 2018 season. He had 111 catches. That that may it wouldn't surprise me if that ends up being his career high. That's a big number. Last year was uber disappointing. So sort of splitting the difference in projections right now with him over a thousand receiving yards, six receiving touchdowns. He's never been a big touchdown guy in his career so far. Seven in his rookie year, seven in 18, three last year. Have him right around his his career yards per catch rate. Uh, generally speaking, all of that is pretty steady. The one thing that I do expect, and he's not a high ADOT guy, he's targeted very close to the line of scrimmage, so I expect that again. I expect about nine yards downfield on average. That's going to help his efficiency from a per-catch basis, but not going to give you uh, you know, big yardage numbers. Uh, he's, he's a little bit of a yak guy, for sure. He's had that over the course, especially his rookie season. But um, that's the one drawback is the ceiling with Juju, for sure. He's right on the edge of wide receiver one territory, though. Deontay Johnson is the guy who I think is really, you know, the, the next man up. And this is an offense that if they do pass a lot, can sustain multiple top 35 fantasy wide receivers. It's hard to do three for any offense in the NFL. It's hard to have three top 35. But could they have two? Very easily. And I do think that Johnson is the favorite over Washington for the reason I just mentioned earlier. Washington is more one trick. That's what he was at the college level as well. You know, he's a guy who Washington's fascinating because he, I mean, he only ran four or five in the pre-draft process, but 
He's much faster on the field. You know, there's some guys who are faster in shorts, some guys faster in pads, some guys are just freaking fast. Henry Ruggs, <laughs> just freaking fast, doesn't matter. <laughs> but Washington a little bit faster in pads, which is is not a bad thing. But I don't think we see much more than that one trick out of him for the most part, whereas Johnson's a more versatile receiver, a more polished route runner, a guy who can do a lot more for you over the course of a game uh, than Washington. So that's my why he's my preference. Now, he's my preference, and I, I've said this before. I've said it on this podcast. I've said it in various places. I'm going to draft him in the eighth round. I'd love him in the ninth round. Of course, I love everybody a round or two later. So in the tenth round, yes. But there's too much hype here now. And what's going to end up happening is now everybody knows. Like, I don't think there's any such thing as a sleeper in today's fantasy football. We just use the term because it's always been used. But I don't really think there are sleepers today because everybody knows, you know, even the people who don't pay attention in your fantasy leagues, they know light years more than what people knew, you know, 10 years ago even, especially 15 years ago. Remember going to drafts, if you're old enough, I know some, with some of you maybe have only been playing for a few years and season long, but if you specifically have 20 years under your belt, remember those drafts 20 years ago? You'd show up and there would be legit people who had no clue. Uh, even big-name players changed teams. <laughs> no clue who was hurt. Nothing. That doesn't really happen as much today. Even for the like completely clueless people, they still have at least half a clue. So sleeper, it isn't really sleeper as much as it used to be, but uh, everybody's going to know about Deontay Johnson. And he's going to go too early. It stinks. I want him, but I'm probably not going to get him. And that's fine. You don't have to get everybody. Uh, I mentioned the tight ends before I talk about these running backs. So Ebron... I, I, I think he could be an uber late round guy. I don't have him high enough to draft. I am just on the outside. So I basically have a 17th round grade on him. I'm not going to draft him in most leagues. If it is a, a deeper league, a 16-team league, then yes, obviously he's going to be drafted. If it's a league that goes a little bit tight end crazy, because I, I typically only expect about 16 to 18 tight ends drafted in a uh, typical 12 team league 16 round draft but if it goes a little tight end crazy then yeah he'll be drafted I have him just inside the top 20 the problem with Ebron is the presence of Vance McDonald and I don't think Vance McDonald is going to be much of anything for fantasy purposes but he's going to take just enough targets off of Ebron's plate to make Ebron more of a three for 32 now Ebron has more upside than a three typical three for 32 tight end but Vance McDonald there doesn't help the cause. I have Vance McDonald with 38 targets projected. I have Ebron with 64. 64 is not enough to sustain consistent fantasy value, unfortunately, with Ebron. Speaking about sustaining consistent fantasy value, let's talk about James Conner. If you've seen the Instagram posts, man, this dude, this dude's been lifting. There's no doubt about it. But what he's shown us over the course of his short career here is that he's going to wear down. At the pro level, he's worn down in each of his first two seasons as the the full-time guy. He was on the Steelers in 2017, only had 32 rushing attempts that year. But he had 215 in 2018, wore down down the stretch. Missed week 14, missed week 15, missed week 16. Last I checked, those are three pretty important weeks for fantasy purposes. Then last year, gets worn down, you know, banged up mid-season, and basically was almost non-existent 
for much of the the year. He played in week 11, he played in week 15, he played in week 16. And when he played in those weeks, honestly, he was outplayed by Benny Snell, which Benny Snell is a jag. You know, jag is a just a guy. He's a jag. That's what Benny Snell is. James Conner shouldn't be outplayed by him. Now, the team did add Anthony McFarland Jr. in the draft. He is not a big body between the tackle runner. He's a, a change of pace, scat back type. Uh, has some explosive upside, was really productive for stretches at Maryland, was a little banged up last year, but gives you a little bit more of a spark. So they have this like combination, you know, Jalen Samuels in, in the passing game. Jalen Samuels sort of a hybrid, almost like an H-back back there. You have Benny Snell, who's a between-the-tackles guy, who's more of a plotter. You have McFarlane, who's got this, like, you know, he's got the burst, but he's not going to be a 15-plus carry-a-game guy. There's almost like a you have this like trio. If Connor goes down, you just insert those guys, and now it becomes a big time headache and no fantasy value to be had. With Connor's injury history, though, his recent history, I can't view him as anything more than a back end RB two. Drafting him, you know, right now I have him as the number twenty two fantasy running back. That puts him uh, roughly in the late fourth, early fifth round. If he's there. I don't have a problem with taking a guy at value. I'm not going to love James Conner, but at the same time, we think differently about a fifth-round pick than we do about a first- or second-round pick, obviously. So I think it's fine to take him in that range, just realizing what you're taking on board. But if you had Conner as your second running back, say you draft a running back in first or second round, then you, you know, over that span of time, from the first to fourth, you have one running back and three wideouts. You're going to have three pretty freaking good wideouts. Not not a bad consolation to take Connor in the fifth round if he's there. I have seen him go earlier than that because people still have in their mind 2018, you know, which was obviously pretty productive there for Connor. Anyway, moving on to the Seattle Seahawks, pretty productive. Well, that might be an understatement for Russell Wilson. I've talked about my love for Russell Wilson numerous times uh, on this pod in the short existence of this pod. He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal, and he's always undervalued, and you can always get him, pretty much. If you can get Russell Wilson in the eighth round of a 12-teamer, I would do that all day long. The guy throws to the end zone more than anyone else. Over the last two years, nobody has thrown to the end zone more frequently than Russell Wilson. He is a stud. He is a stud, and he's he's just always undervalued. Now, I know it's a run-heavy offense, but it doesn't really matter. We see he he adds with his legs as well. You know that Russell Wilson's a guy who can go out and rush for 400 yards. He's a guy who can score three, four, five rushing touchdowns. In addition to pretty much always topping 30 passing scores, it feels like it at least. I, I love Russell Wilson. I, I love the weapons he has. You know, you have Tyler Lockett who gives you a versatile. Uh, slot inside outside guy you know you could put him in the slot he's he's not the same type of player as Doug Baldwin even though he sort of took over that role in the offense he's got the downfield ability a little bit undersized but man the kid he's he plays bigger than his size there's no doubt about it I have Lockett uh, right now projected as the number 22 fantasy wideout but because of his ceiling I actually moved him up just a tick in my rankings uh, ranking him at 19. So he's a back-end or mid-range wide receiver, too, with some some major juice. 
Right now, DK Metcalf is actually going ahead of him in ADP in some places. I have DK ranked behind. I ranked him very specifically at 25, and this is, and he projects at 26. But I ranked him very specifically at 25 to sort of make this statement of he is not a wide receiver two yet, but he's right on the edge. He is right on the edge. Last year finished number 32 fantasy wideout. So he's right on the edge. He's knocking on the door. The ceiling is no doubt there, but we do need to see more consistency. I mean, I love when I see a guy, you know, go out and post 900 yards in his rookie season. That's nothing to bat an eyelash at, but I want to see more consistency because the the bad weeks were bad last year. The good weeks were obviously quite good, including, you know, especially week nine when he was the number five fantasy wideout. But I don't want to hang my hat on him just yet as my second wideout. I'd rather have him, you know, certainly upside wide receiver three for me. All about that. And there's really nobody else here who appeals to me. I mean, Dorsett's there. They have David Moore still. We'll see who ends up emerging as the five. They drafted Freddie Swain. He's another one of those Florida receivers who basically underperformed at the college level but has some athleticism. So you have Ursula from last year there. We'll see. I don't know if there's any juice to any of those guys, though. At tight end, they did add Greg Olson, who's seemingly got one foot out the door to get back and get in the broadcasting booth, but they still have Will Disley, they still have Jacob Hollister, they still have Luke Wilson, and they drafted Colby Parkinson as well, uh, so what's the deal here, right? I mean, Will Disley could be a force if he could stay healthy. He hasn't shown that ability. Greg Olson certainly passed his prime, but you have to figure... Just get he's still good. He's a good football player. There's no doubt about it. He's gonna be the lead target, but as of right now, I still only have him at just under 50 targets. I have Disley seeing 32. I mean, these are gonna be games like if you start Olsen, this is gonna be one of those games you'll have these games this year where you see the tight end score, you'll be like, Olsen! And it'll be Disley. Or if you start Disley, you have Disley and DFS, it'll be like, Disley! And it'll be Hollister. Like <laughs> that always happens, right? So it's going to be frustrating. Only in the deepest leagues would you even consider drafting Olsen like a Scott Fishbowl type league. But otherwise, he, you know, we're going to look at these guys as streamers. I talked about Russell being undervalued. Chris Carson also fits that mold of being undervalued. Because I don't think we see Rashad Penny until at least midseason. And this could be one of those, uh-oh, redshirt years where it initially looks like he'll be pupped, and then he just isn't able to get back. Because that injury happened very late, and it was a pretty nasty injury. So I'm not expecting him around. And really, I think Seattle tipped their hand to this with the signing of Carlos Hyde, because they did draft DJ Dallas. They have Travis Homer there. I, I don't know if either one of those guys really, though, can step right in and really just replace Rashad Penny's role in the offense so I think Hyde does that for you in you know in terms of spelling Chris Carson in early downs Chris Carson's a guy who yes he's going to touch the ball a lot but you don't necessarily want him to get up over 300 carries I mean sure we do for fantasy purposes but Seattle doesn't want him to for football purposes so that's really what Hyde's going to do there takes a little bit of work off of Carson's plate but I still think Carson can easily be a very high floor RB2 with with some potential to crack that top 12, there's no doubt about it, especially if he starts scoring touchdowns left and right. I have him projected at seven, which is exactly how many he scored last year. He scored nine in 2018. 
The team gets down in the red zone a lot. Russell does throw to the end zone when they get down there a lot, but they're still going to, I mean, Carson had a bunch of, of goal line attempts last year. You know, he's, he's going to be up among the league leaders there because they, you know, they're going to force the rock. That's, that's what this team does. So Carson, I have him at RB 17. You're probably not going to even have to draft him at RB 17. Current ADP is at RB 19. That puts you late third, possibly even early fourth. This is another one of those scenarios where if you if you're drafting in that end of third round, you could play chicken a little bit and see if he comes back to you. You, you know that move. If you're at like the tenth pick in the round, there's two people in between you. It's like mm, I'm gonna leave this guy out there. Hopefully he comes back. You could try and do that. You could certainly try and do that. You could you know you could end up winning on that one, or you know maybe you're not even looking at Chris Carson and he comes back to you in the fourth round. It's one of those scenarios where you get a running back in the first two rounds. You have two wideouts then. It's the fourth round. Now you get Chris Carson as your second running back. I have an exact draft. It's exactly like that. I don't mind that at all. I actually like that one a lot. I like that actually more than the three wideout James Conner in the fifth round type build that I just mentioned. So something to consider there. That's appropriate value for him in late third, early fourth. Easy, easy decision for me to take him, especially with the high floor that he brings. So there you go. Seattle, Pittsburgh in the books. And like I said, we were really coming down the home stretch now. Uh, We only have two more of these episodes left. So on the show tomorrow, San Francisco coming off the Super Bowl run. Is there any hope for Jimmy G to to really reach that, uh, that hype that we had for him two years ago for fantasy purposes? What about these wideouts? Obviously, Debo banged up. Uh, Brandon Ayuk in the building now is a very exciting young rookie. Any Anyone else to target there? The backfield is crazy. Raheem Mostert, yeah, but he kind of wants out. So, Tevin Coleman? Is it Jarek McKinnon time? Is there anything else there? And, of course, we know George Kittle's freaking awesome, so I don't even have to tell you that. So, we have that, but really, come on, really. It's all about talking about these Tampa Bay Bucks, and I'm sorry, San Francisco fans, but I think pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward, right? Except for the backfield. Tampa, though, Tom Brady. What do we, how do we even wrap our heads around Tom Brady and a Bruce Arians offense, which those two are very different things. Well, we're going to do it. We're going to talk about Brady. We're going to talk about Gronk being back. We're going to talk about Mike Evans, who people love to hate. We're going to talk about Chris Godwin. We're going to talk about the backfield, Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn. A lot to unpack there. So, hey, in the meantime, do me a favor, ftnfantasy.com. Go check it out. Please keep reviewing the podcast if you haven't already. That really helps this show out. It is easy to do. If you have an iPhone especially, scroll, open up that app, find my podcast, scroll down to the bottom. There's stars right on the screen. Click them, and you're done. You can also review the show as well. It's all super helpful to me as we continue to try and grow this show. Of course, you can also follow along on social media at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter and Instagram and use the hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.